You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Bit exaggerated, perhaps, but my sentiments about seeing another Miami Sweet Heat Tonga Twins match is pretty much in there. Hello, folks. This is your host, Mr. Green, and we have another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling podcast, and we are going to go into uh, yet another week of WOW and... Try to, I, I, I guess, decipher what's, what's happening here. I, I get the distinct feeling that some of this has been shown out of sequence of what they may have originally wanted. But, you know, we'll get to that when we get to that. How are you guys? Thank you for tuning in. Let us go into the, the brief bit of uh, wrestling news that's surrounding some of the ladies out there, and then we'll go right off into the Review the show, and it's, it's really not all that much to, to talk about in the show other than what took place in the show. Just, I mean, I'm sure the main event will agitate me again, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is, and uh, we will discuss that as it comes up. So, let's get the news out of the way. First thing being is that uh, Queen Amanada officially part of all elite wrestling that's not you know i don't know if i would consider that world breaking news but I, I read that because i want to congratulate that young lady she's been exceptionally talented on the independent circuit she's one of those people that are like you know it would be great to to work with work with her uh if I were still doing booking for, you know, the women in a wrestling promotion, definitely somebody that I would have looked out for or at least attempted to try to get. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, congratulations. I hope this is my only hope with this uh, acquisition that AEW has done. I hope that somebody in there actually begins to do the booking, not just for the women, just all top to bottom i hope they start doing it better than what they're doing and by somebody i guess i have to say tony khan since he refuses to let anybody else do it uh, i don't know if there's anybody there that's in that company that can talk him down off of that ledge or perhaps uh convince him to well let me help you out but he does not need to just be doing that all on his own he, they need better booking that that is my only concern with not just the queen going there, but anybody that goes to WWE at this point, I concern over whether or not they will uh, be presented in a way to exceed, you know, succeed. But time will tell. 
<clears throat> for you video gamers out there, Fallon Henley of NXT is going to be in her first WWE game, WWE 2K24. That's another congratulations out there. Uh, she will be uh, alongside the rest of the, I don't know, I was about to say Divas roster, but, but I guess the old habits die hard. But the women's roster for the WWE, and she's also got some new faces that she will be standing alongside of. Thea Hale, Chelsea Green, Maxine Dupree, Elsa Dawn, uh, Piper Niven, Roxanne Perez. So this is, that is a very, very big deal to be able to uh, get into a video game of WWE. It, it, I've always heard that that's one of those things like, now nah, you, you want to make sure that you get there and get the game because that's, that's good money. You, you always have heard that, at least I have. It has been confirmed, I will say, and now keep in mind, Maven is bringing this. He has firsthand experience, right? So if you want to hear it described in full, I would suggest that you go to his YouTube channel and, and look at the video where he's talking about him being on the video game and how that happened. He, he talks about Devon Dudley walking up to him saying, hey, look, make sure that when, when the people in the game company come in and uh, ask you to get scanned, you go. <laughs> make sure that you get there. Largely because, you know, you, you're getting paid off of that. You're licensing out your image and your name to that company, and they're, they're going to pay you for that. And then, you know, you get some residuals off of the game as well. But he's going to go into, you know, far greater detail about that. Needless to say, the point being of that video that he did was to talk about how important it is for the wrestlers there if they can get on, uh, you know, a game such as that, it is good for your bottom line. And I can imagine that for those who I just named, Fallon Henley included, is going to be good for her bottom line. That she will be able to get some some extra cash alongside of her uh, NXT slash SmackDown slash Raw colleagues. The entirety of the WWE universe. But I were, but yes, I really suggest if you have. No idea. If you have no idea how that breaks down and you're interested in knowing how it breaks down, Maven did an excellent job on that video describing <clears throat> the uh, the pay scale. So it's not just him saying it's important that you go. He actually goes into the pay scale and how you know it worked out for what he got. And keep in mind, he's talking about what he got. How long ago was that? Oh, it's been at least a good 10 years well it's been well over a decade and he's talking about uh like smackdown bringing the pain you're up to the, to 2k24 now so yeah i mean just consider the economics between then and now and imagine how much they might be getting yeah everybody on there not gonna be getting you know five or six figures off of the game but it, it's still good to have right I could use it if I was in there. It, it is good money for WWE wrestlers. Um, real quick, the wrestlers for TNA have collectively stood up for Scott Demore and his recent uh, firing. I guess there's no nice way to say it. I was I was trying to find some better wording, but uh, I, I 
don't think there's anything else I can say for that. Uh, as I read in the uh, previous news bit that I did in the uh, last podcast, the more is set to be replaced, and I, I, I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name. Chacon, some people say the Cion, that I said, but in any case, there is somebody who is stepping in to replace Scott Demore, who, despite the fact that he has a good background in television and entertainment and, and so on and so forth, he does not necessarily seem to have a background by anything that I have read or found in pro wrestling that is a little bit disappointing to have somebody that's coming especially now Demore has done such a good job in, in reestablishing some of the goodwill of TNA wrestling and it's not going to happen overnight and I know that he being Demore was probably looking to try to do whatever he could to help further that company rather than it just being a content provider for Access TV. I mean, let's not discount what Access TV has done for Impact slash TNA wrestling. They have kept them alive. If there's one thing that TNA wrestling has known how to do is how to stay alive. They have survived one thing after the next over over its existence so I don't want to discount nor take away from what this network has done for them however to uh, to the point of what people outside of this podcast I mean some of the people on the roster and, and uh, other podcasters have kind of suggested that based on Demore's attempt to purchase the company that he's trying to see the company go through some growth. And that's not a bad goal to have. Particularly, again, you know, you, you want to increase the budget. You want to increase your, your presence on television. Uh, you probably want to increase your stamp globally. You want to be able to get better talent because they <clears throat> there's no way at this point that they can compete Financially, against a AEW or WWE in terms of getting people in there, I, I don't necessarily agree with them going out of their way to try to you know get Braun Strowman. I don't know if that's the hill that I would have wanted to die on, but it, but in any case, that's an example of it. I know when they uh, did their last Bound for Glory, which was in Chicago, and this was around the time that Punk was uh, assumably free, they wanted to try to get him in there. As they should have, because if they did, it would have done huge business for them. It just, just out of curiosity, people would have gone in and like, oh, man, I got to see that. So I can understand what he was trying to do. Unfortunately, Access and Anthem, the parent company, did not feel that way. So, you know, we have that. But getting back to the point, the roster wrote a letter, which you can find, and they it, basically expressed in a very nice way their concern about having a non-wrestling person in that spot. They feel as if having someone who is um, connected to the wrestling business, 
would be better for them. And I agree. I absolutely agree. It, it would be better for them if they uh, have somebody who is in wrestling to make those decisions about wrestling. So <clears throat> I would suggest if you have not had the opportunity and you are interested, much like I say with Maven, you can go find that particular uh, link for the letter that they wrote to Anthem, uh, essentially asking, hey, you know, basically get this guy his job back. <laughs> it said no one else can fill his shoes right now. Give him his job back. Now, I'm, you know, of course, I'm condensing the message. That is not what he said in there. I don't want to, I don't want to paint the picture like they just got on and started begging or whatever the case may be. But yes, that that is overall what they were asking for. Camille, the former NWA Women's World Champion, is still one of the free agents out there on the circuit and is not. Uh, assuming assuming that this decision is totally up to her, she has not made a decision on where she's going to go as of yet. She has stated in a video that she's posted that she has had interest from the WWE, AEW, and TNA. Uh, it is a Q&A video. However, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the spoiler now. If you think that in that video that she's going to tell you where she's going. Uh, no, she, she has not gotten into where she's going yet. The video cuts off just when she goes to tell you what she's going to do. So um, you can watch it if you just want to get all the other information. But if you're trying to find out where she's going to go, where she's going to land, uh, we still do not know. She's not given any information. I'm sure she'll be a great asset wherever she winds up. Oddly enough, I got to see Camille before she just shortened the name out to Camille. When she <clears throat> hit the scene, the thing she was Camille uh, Cage, if I remember. But the one thing that I do remember vividly is that she was wearing the um, Atlanta Explosion outfit. Now, for, for those of you who do not know, and people here probably don't know because it's a very small team and small thing. The Atlanta Explosion is an all-female football league. Some of you may remember the football league existing under the lingerie league back in the day. But over the course of the years, they've, they've uh, changed their presentation to be more uh, sponsor-friendly. That's probably a good way to say it. So whereas they still are in kind of skimpy outfits and whatnot the skimpy outfits are like sports sports adjacent uh wear so it looks more like things that they would wear to go work out somewhere rather than go play football in but that's not the hit on there the point being is that when she first started wrestling she basically was wrestling in her football outfit and i don't know if the picture still is up but uh she was one of the like the the triple threat of the Atlanta explosion at that time. Now that I'm saying it, I wonder if that team even still exists. Huh. I may have to look that up, but I'll do that after, after the show. That's just uh, the random thought that, that hit me there. Um, I believe that might be all of the big news, or there is no big news, what am I talking about? But that might be all the news that I wanted to talk about uh, oh, no, 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 no. I, I stand corrected. That's not true. 
I forgot. Ash by Elegance made her debut on TNA Wrestling. The former Dana Brooke is now got the opportunity to show the world that she is better than what Dana Brooke was presented as on WWE television. Now I hope that she gets the chance to do that. Um, I've, I've long said, in cases like Dana Brooke, it's not necessarily her fault that she is in that position or was in that position. They called her up far ahead of her being ready to make that uh, that jump to the main roster. I'm sure somebody up there liked her look and just said, come on. Unfortunately, that is, or I'm going to say was, let me put that in past tense. That was a common WWE practice, unfortunately. We've heard the uh, the rumors, and certainly if you've been keeping up with uh, the late Ashton Masaro's uh, name being brought up am- amongst all these allegations, she said it. <laughs> then they brought her up, you know, or when she won, there was really no training involved. They just kind of stuck her on TV. And I'm paraphrasing here, but that's basically what it got down to. So, so much to the point that she had to kind of go and train on her own time. And they almost did not even encourage her to do that. But she knew that she had to go get trained somewhere. Otherwise, I'm going to get hurt here, you know, doing this. Dana was no different. Not that she got hurt. I'm just saying that she got pulled up faster than what she needed to be. She should have stayed in developmental. But, I mean, what are you going to say when they ask you, all right, well, let's, let's bring her up. What are, what are you going to do? You're going to turn down the money? You're going to turn down what the, the – that's your boss now. You you signed up to do the job. So you're, you're trying to do what you can do to make this thing work. And she never really got that. Um, unfortunately for her and her WWE career – But now she has the opportunity to reinvent herself and be something else, present something else. And she got a chance to do that on TNA Wrestling against uh, a young lady by the name of Savannah Thorne, who I've seen on social media and I've seen a couple of her matches across the the southeast region. Uh, So... Side note, good on Savannah Thorne for being able to be on uh, Impact Wrestling. Maybe she'll get signed down there, you know, somewhere down the line. Right now, I know she was just there basically to do the job, so that's what she did. And um, Ash did fine, but, you know, uh, there is one thing I, I will add to the Ash by Elegance. I still do not get the name, but there is one thing that makes this incredibly palatable. I don't know who this guy's name is, but her little ring announcer slash valet concierge or, you know, whatever you want to call him, that dude is great. (laughs) He is great. I, you know, he has thrown himself into this role. I mean, my gosh. He comes out and he's like, I got the microphone. It's kind of like her personal ring announcer. He's kicking the referee out of the ring. He's kicking... Savannah throwing out of the ring. He's like, hey, who are you? 
You know, you just you know you're gonna be a part of history here. Now get out of the ring. Get out, get out, get out. You, know, you too. And he's talking to the referee. And then he does the, the whole introduction and he's he he's just got a good presence about him. And then when she won, she wins by like a swanton off of the top rope, by the way. She did get the chance to do her signature handspring elbow in the corner, but the uh Swanton bomb, which they called rarefied air, is what actually scored the win. And then her uh, personal ring announcer just runs back in the ring. It's like, I got this. Like, before the TNA ring announcer even can finish the sentence, he cuts her off. It's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. And ladies and gentlemen, it was, you know, I, I have to admit, I, <laughs> as over the top as he is, I, I have – Enjoyed the little bit of him that I've seen. I hope that this package that they have continues on. I He has really sold me as of right now. I, I am sold on this thing. And honestly, he'll probably be the reason that I do start watching Ash of Elegance or, or at least paying her more attention. I watch the show in general, but just paying her more attention. Um, <clears throat> and also almost glazed over the uh, Ring of Honor Women's TV title tournament. Now, bear in mind, I do not agree that they need a secondary championship in Ring of Honor's women's division, but, you know, it's it's Tony Khan and he loves his titles. So they are down to, what is this? This is second round, I believe. And the first round results were, were this. Billy Stark went over on Robin Renegade. Abaddon defeated Viva Van. Red Velvet defeated Sandra Moon. And Ty Valkyrie defeated Sussy Love. So, what we have now, the pair-offs will be Diamante taking on Billy Starks. Oh, I'm sorry. That, scratch that. <laughs> let, me, let me start that back over again. So we are out of first round. Second round, Mercedes Martinez, one of my favorites, will be taking on Abaddon. I'm sure that should be interesting. I would go with Mercedes in that. There's no reason Abaddon should go over. Legit Layla Hirsch taking on Red Velvet. I like Velvet, but I also like Layla Hirsch, and I think that she should go over. Queen Amanita. On over on Taya Valkyrie is the way I would go if I'm trying to establish her since she just signed. Valkyrie can survive the loss depending on how the loss is presented. And Diamante taking on Billy Starks. I'm going to say Diamante. Probably Diamante and Martinez, two friends, square off if they're going to try to get some kind of story out of it. Hirsch and uh, Amanita, I can imagine, would be a pretty hard-hitting match. I've seen both of them work. Um, I am not going to watch any of this because, again, Ring of Honor is not free television anymore, and I have no intentions of paying in for another service just so I can watch Ring of Honor TV. However, I will stay tuned to see what it is that's going on, and maybe they'll put up some videos that we can all enjoy at some point in time. I mean, they do have it on some clips of that on YouTube and some matches, so maybe I should pay more attention to look at that. Why they have a secondary championship, I don't know. Why they have all the women's championships that they have there, I don't know. 
TBS women's title. Well, they don't even say women's title. It just says TBS title. AEW Women's Championship. Ring of Honor Women's Championship. Ring of Honor TV's Women's Championship. Ah, Tony Khan. You and your titles and tournaments. That might be the name of his next pay-per-view. Titles and tournaments. So, anyhow. (laughs) Before we go into the full-on review of the show there's one other things that i think needs to be brought up because as you heard at the beginning i am not nor was i then thrilled about another miami sweet heat tonga twins match for anything much less their tag team championship that match is pretty much floated around and existed the entirety of last season, 2023. And I, I just cannot bring it into myself to care about this match. I just, I just can't. The thing that I'm bringing up now, because I know it sounds like I'm going out of sequence and getting into, you know, the review, but no, the thing that that brought up in my mind was Wild's tag team division. There was a point in time when um, David McClain on one of the episodes said something to the effect of, Wow has the best tag team uh, division in, I believe he said women's wrestling. I hope he didn't say just wrestling in general because that would be just absurd. But um the best division in women's wrestling. And at that time, I agreed. I, you know, I absolutely agreed. I said, yeah, he does have the best women's division, I mean, uh, tag team division in women's wrestling. I couldn't look at that roster and, and at the, that point and disagree. I, I just, I couldn't say, well, no, that's not true. Today, not so much. They got a lot of teams there, but this division is just—it ain't good. I don't see how this is a how this is a good division for for anything. It is. They have somewhere in the nature like twelve to thirteen tag teams on their um, on their roster. At least that many. Of that, you've got two that that are more or less the top dog. Well, okay, let, let's be fair here. I'm gonna say three, three. Everybody else is just. Fodder, they, you know, they, they're just there just to be there. It doesn't really help that they're, they're just there to take the fall, I mean, more or less. Or they're not involved in the championship runnings of anything. When you really look at that division, I am like this thing is a failure. And I hate saying it, but that's what it comes off to me. It's like this comes off like this is a failure. Just let's look at the teams that they have. And you tell me. You can leave whatever comments that you have. Like, well, 
Because believe me, I know there's some people that can point out some other things that I might have missed. So <clears throat> the teams. And I'm gonna give my little statements about them, but you know, that I, I I don't see a lot of good teams here. The heavy metal systems don't exist any longer. That is up until we have uh, Rebel Hayes slot herself into being a Fury's partner, and you know it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. We've already seen the sign for it when she gave her that pick. I was like, it's a matter of time. Before her singles run as the heavy metal sister comes to an end and it turns back into we've reformed heavy metal sisters, yay. It's a matter of time. Los Banditas has been beaten into powder. They don't do anything. The only champion, the only wins that they get are the wins that every other team here gets. And that's over Chantilla Chella and whoever her tag team partner happens to be. Or the other jobber teams that I'm about to get to. Exile, I like Exile, but Exile has not even existed in the tag team championship sphere. Miami Sweet Heat and the Tonga Twins, obviously they just they've monopolized that spot. Siren and Holiday, well, there is no siren. And Holiday got into a feud with Chainsaw, so whatever the dark side was, that seems to be over. The Mighty Mites. The less said about that, the better. Because they're just there just to get bulldozed. Spring break 24-7, see the Mighty Mites. Team IQ Superior sees Spring Break 24-7. Last Call had a repeated title shots just to lose, uh, assumably. There is the chance that they did win, you know, the last match, the one that I showed you with the uh, side-by-side video. There's the possibility that they did actually win that match, and they just, they being wild, just pulled the, uh, the win out of, the universe, so it never happened. Uh, as I said, Team ICQ Superior, they're, they're the heel version of, of any job team that's there. The Brat Pack, I like them, but they haven't done anything. They are in route of a loss right now. I'm pretty positive that they're going to get bumped out of the, the trios tournament. And then they'll settle back down into doing nothing. Just a random series of matches with no no title shot in sight. Team Spirit, that will be the brick wall that the Brat Pack comes up against. But they have shown themselves to just be a, a, a faction of interchangeable players. You don't need Randy Rara anymore? All right, well, we'll get Ariel Scott. Ariel Scott goes down? All right, just put Campanelli back in there. We need another member, bring in Sasha Sparks. We need another member besides that, get Pep Riley. Interchangeable players. No one there is more important than the other one, and you barely know the new ones that that's there right now. There's, there's no connection to anybody in that team. The Mother Truckers are another team, and outside of Miami Sweet Heat, 
probably the best record on the show. Very rarely do the mother truckers lose. Very rarely. I mean, they just beat Miami Sweet Heat. They got beat up for it, but they just beat them. Right? So, I mean, I don't know if they're ever going to attempt to go out to the tag team championships. In fact, them going out to the tag team championships would have made more sense than anything. Grits and Glam, which I don't even know if they have any aspirations on being a tag team champion with, you know, within the kayfabe universe of WOW. And they're stuck in this uh, feud with the new All-American girls. And the new All-American girls got out to a roaring start when they got beaten in their first match. So I, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, they spent, WOW has spent the better portion of a year with the tag teams. And in a year's time, not one of those teams outside of the three that I just mentioned, the Tonga Twins, Miami Sweet Heat, the Mother Truckers, outside of those three, no one's set to be able to take this spot at all, not one. I mean, that's somewhat disappointing. Now, you know, and I forgot to mention the Bully Busters because they don't really exist anymore. And then you had the Millennials with Steffi Slays and uh, Jennifer Flores, who's uh, gotten out of there. And she's, uh, you know, she's already departed from WoW. All of that to say is that they have a lot of teams. And I'm not going to sit and say that there's no talent on the teams. Of course there's talent. There's, there's a lot of talent. Did I mention Los Benditas? I don't remember. Los Benditas. You got to say them too. Talented. But they lose constantly. So we know they're not going to be. They got beat up by the Tonga Twins a couple of times. So we know they're not in the run of any titles. And no, neither is anybody else. It's just one team after another that serves really no purpose other than to get beat by the next. The only ones that have some sort of drive there is Miami Sweet Heat and the, and even the Tonga Twins. Let's, let's just address the Tonga Twins for a second. <clears throat> the most that they had as far as some sort of personality was when they were chasing for the titles. They chased for it for a year, practically. And then they got them. Beyond that point, it, it didn't feel like they were doing anything else. They were just kind of there. They defended the championships, but there was no angle. There was no feud. There was nothing to build them up to. And they got the, the uh, sit-down interview after the, after the championship win. They talked for 30 seconds. Now, that's not necessarily their fault, but I'm just saying, it's like, how am I supposed to identify and or care about any of these people when that is the most that you got from them? Have they cut promos? Sure. But it does get to a point with some of their promos where it's just rinse and repeat. We're the champions. We're better than anybody. We'll take on anybody. That's the basic gist. You, you change who it is that they're taking on that particular week, and then you've got the gist of the promo right there. Seeing this only reinforces in my mind, regardless to how many teams that they have, 
And like I said, it's somewhere in the nature of 12, 13, 14 of them. Regardless of how many teams they have, this tag team division no longer feels prominent or good. Feels like a failure to me. Now, it might turn around. It could change. But it just feels like they have spent months to get to this point and you're right back where you started. And it's not like this feud is so outstanding that it needs to be revisited over and over again. This is not the New Day versus the Usos. This isn't the Nasty Boys and Public Enemy. It's not Harlem Heat versus the Steiner Brothers. It's not the Heart Foundation versus the Bulldogs, the Rock and Roll versus the Midnight, or any other tag team rivalry that you can think of. It's none of those things. Could it be? Maybe. But WoW doesn't allow people apparently to get personal. And even when they do cut these promos, sometimes it comes off like that they're, they're not being overly serious. But I guess we'll get to that as it goes on. At the point of this particular editorial, if you will, is to say that they should utilize some of those teams and talents a little differently, in my view, just to, you know, to kind of change it up some. I understand why small promotions, <clears throat> say like when Ring of Honor first started out, or, you know, places like that, or some indies, I can understand why there was not a lot of repeat business in the championship runs at that point because they were trying to get people established. They were trying to get the titles established. And despite the fact that WoW has been around for 20 years, you still have to subtract like 13 and a half of them for the hiatus. That's the first thing. And then you have to subtract maybe another two or three for the individual hiatuses that they had after that. That's the second thing. So so even though they've had a lot of years technically speaking, underneath them, there's also a lot of reboots that WoW has gone through. And those reboots do not help establish any championship or person or just a title in and of itself. It just it can't. So I don't know if I agree with we got to get this right back on this, you know, this team so they can carry it over again. Again, it needed to be somebody else. It needed to be another team than that. Those championships are not valuable. They're they're not something that people are clamoring to see the title match of. According to the ratings that I did, the ones that I read off of WrestleNomics, those championship matches, maybe with the exception of one, always seems to be like it stalls out the viewership or is ratings poison. When I get the next batch of ratings, time will tell. So anyhow, let's go into the show. This is episode 75 of WOW. 
bravo to them that they have continued on and they've gotten to this point without taking any breaks, hiatuses, or anything else that might cause them to trip up and fall and, and you know disappear for another two or three years until they find another TV home. Uh, the air date for this is February 18th. The seasonal number will be 223. The title of the show, Put Me In Coach. Which, even though that that is a reference to something that's said in the show, I do not understand why they use that particular title. Now, I'm, I admit I am nitpicking because no normal slash average person would even know that they put these titles on there. I do because I see it on their YouTube and and the press releases. But the put me in coach thing, I mean, that, that lasted for all of, what, two, three minutes? It wasn't a major sticking point of the show is what I'm saying. So the show starts out. We begin with a promo from Team Spirit, all four members, one of which is coming out there not in her wrestling gear, but her civilian clothes. And she has a neck brace on, and it is Ariel Sky. And they come out to make the announcement. They address Air Sky's injury, they being Coach Campanelli because she's the only one that can talk. And Air Sky's in the back with, an, with the neck brace. Campanelli essentially goes into, you know, a talk about turning the negatives into a positives, so to speak, and Ariel Sky can no longer compete for the remainder of the tournament, but we're not getting out of it. And I said, put me in, coach. She's speaking of herself, talking in third person. I'm not fully sure how I feel about all of that. I don't have a problem with injuries being utilized on wrestling. I don't have a problem with injuries, legit injuries being utilized on wrestling. I'm not, I don't have a problem with it being exploited. It just... I can never get the feel of what they're trying to do with Coach. Because she's a pretty condescending person. By all standards, she should be a heel by now. You know, the you're welcome, you know, that and all that stuff like that. She delivers a very self-gratifying promo. You know, when you're talking about and I was sitting there, and I said, put me in, coaches. You talk about yourself. I was like, that's a pretty self-serving promo there. I cannot get a feel of her direction. I don't know if she's supposed to be full-on babyface or full-on heel or a mixture of the two or whatever the case may be. But that's Coach Campanelli, and we know now where the uh, tri- triple threat, the trio's tournament will be going from this point we know that she will be um, filling in so to speak for Ariel Sky's spot which also begs the question when we saw Sasha Sparks get introduced to Team Spirit part of that angle was coach was like hey guys I guess y'all forgot who's the coach here and then she walks off kind of dejected and sad because Ariel Sky and Pep Riley decide to think on their own and, and recruit somebody else. 
for whatever reasons. <laughs> so the match can take place, basically. But I can also see that this feels like whatever angle that she was going to be a part of, it may get dropped or edited over or whatever the case may be. Because I'm sure it's already, these shows are already in the can. And they're going to have to just do stuff to try to fix it. So we have that. And we can now address where Team Spirit is going to go. They're going to have their rematch, and they're going to go up against the Brat Pack again, this time with the substitution of another member. Team Spirit has had a different rotation of persons in this tournament every match that they've had. Every match they've had, there's been a different collection of people that represents Team Spirit. Did you know that? Now, in the case of what they're doing right now, I can, you know, I can see that because she's injured and rather than to quit, you know, somebody needs to step up. So I don't have a problem with that. I guess where the problem may lie, if anything, is the what Dave McClain tried to pass off as the tournament is fluid. Okay. I mean, I guess you could just rotate people in and out of the, your teams or you could just start over again if you get beat. Man. But I, I guess I shouldn't go into that again. Next segment, Exile taking on Las Banditas with Tormenta with Sofia Lopez. This was a good match, but it was predictable for me. As much as I enjoyed the match, I, I enjoyed seeing the Banditas and Exile take on each other. This is basically a heel versus heel match, uh, which... Although surprising for wild television, also makes sense because this was in a tournament setting. So I didn't really have any any issues with that whatsoever. Um, it ended with, well, before I say it ended, Los Bandidas had a pretty nice spot where they kind of stacked all the members of Exile in the corner and then uh, Tormenta, well, she like did a DVD on one of them right into the pile in the in the corner. That's a Death Valley driver for those who don't remember what that is. And it was a nice little nice little exchange, nice little spot there. Ultimately it didn't get them to win, but it was a nice little exchange. Genesis pinned Vivian Rivera with the sunset flip. One, two, three, we're done. Uh this assumably is to lead to a Team Spirit versus Exile final. That is what I'm guessing at. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure uh, if they're going to go with a, a traditional heel versus babyface in the finals or they're going to go heel versus heel. It, it could, could be Exile versus uh, the Brat Pack. I doubt it, but it could be. My money tells me Team Spirit, though. They, Dave McClain seems to enjoy his cheerleaders, so I, I am not going to discount or or doubt it. This was a nice match. After the match, uh, Genesis cuts a promo following the match, uh, pushing Exile. Also, within that promo, she puts over Las Banditas and Tormenta. Surprisingly. And I don't know if there's been another 
person or team on this show since Los Benditas has been formed that have put them over verbally. So I appreciated that. I don't know if she was instructed to do it or not, but I appreciated that. I was like, okay, well, she's not trying to take away from it. She did a good, uh, I was going to say heel promo, but I'm not going to classify that as a heel promo. She did a good promo. And that she did not diminish exile or like, ah, they're not in our league and this, that, and the other. She put them over and thereby made her win more valuable. They weren't ready for us. You know, they they were good, they were talented, but they weren't ready for us. So, you know, it's not a case of down talking it to where the victory meant nothing. It was a case of she talked them up, however briefly that might have been. And she was able to say that and still get exile over top of them. It's good stuff. I like exile. I like all of them. And and at one point it seemed like this is heading towards a breakup. And I better not say that too much because there's always the chance that they'll get to the finals and they'll they'll have this massive split or something like that. I hope that I hope I didn't breathe that into existence. Knock on wood. But um, fun match, nice tournament match. I, the, I, I have to say this before I move on. The referee in this match did an absolute pet peeve of mine. And I developed this pet peeve with wrestlers on the indies, more specifically referees on the indies. If there's one thing that they're good about doing is counting wherever they happen to be. So if you see the show and you look at somebody get pinned, the referee is supposed to come where the pin is and be able to identify that because I can see it, right? You move the body, you get up to where they're they're pinning, where they're, they're crossed on the shoulders and the ref is there and he can count. This ref counted at their feet. And I hate that because I've seen it so much. Like this is the one of those cases of I know it's going to happen, so this this is what I want to do to try to cover it. I just you know count regardless of the fact that I can't see anybody's shoulders clearly. But again, that was just a picadillo of mine, a pet peeve of mine. Uh, and we'll, we'll leave that at that, and we'll move on to the next thing. The next thing is the recap of the leader of the pack match, which they showed the win from G.I. Jane, and then it goes over to G.I. Jane herself, and she cuts a promo in the back. Now, it's not a great promo, but I have to give her this credit. She talks with conviction. G.I. Jane speaks with conviction. And there is a certain amount of gravitas that she has. I do not believe that this young lady has a legitimate uh, military background. I'm not sure. Um, Quanice Jackson is her name. That that is where she's um, where she's from. That that's who she is. And she is listed as an actress and a model and pro wrestler and whatnot. But I, as far as her, I've been imagining that she has some sort of military background because that's 
Assumably, how David McLean acquires all the gimmicks that he gives people. And matter of fact, as I'm talking to you right now, there, there she is. She's, she lists herself as a military woman. So <clears throat> that might explain how she fits into this G.I. Jane thing so well. Like I said, it wasn't a great promo. It's not, it's not a great promo, but she does speak with conviction, and she ended it well. And that, and, and for her, that might be the key because I don't think anybody's going to remember everything else that she said. It just comes down to the end line that I am the leader of the pack and that I am now and will always will be the leader of the pack. I was like, that's, that's a good, good closer. The reason, the only reason I say that it wasn't a great point, right? I'm like, it's, it's fine. It sounds good. The only reason I said differently, because it started off, it didn't seem like they had a direction to it. It was just kind of talking. So this is where we are going into Jane's first match as a babyface. Her match is with Chainsaw and her manager slash little sister Angelica Dante. And I don't know why they have in the lower third G.I. Jane leader of the pack. What is that even? If you're tuning into the show and that was the first thing, what would that even mean to you? I mean, it might sound like a cool name, but I was like, what, what does that even mean? So, and I always said it because she's got no pack to lead. So, like, what, what's, what's this leader of the pack thing? It was, it was worthless. This was a methodic match. I have brought up before the fact that Chainsaw is green and not as smooth as her contemporaries works in her favor. I have said the same thing about G.I. Jane. The fact that she is not polished and smooth works in her favor. The roughness works for her. And it works for Chainsaw. And that's what you got here. I mean, it, it's not a hard-hitting match. They're not clubbing each other. They're not knocking each other out and stuff like that. But it was, it was a moderate-paced match that had a satisfactory conclusion. Or at least you would imagine so. The match ends with... G.I. Jane's, I guess, new finish. This is probably like the third or fourth one that she's had. I hope they I hope she can pick one and stick to it. So people understand that when I put this on, this is it. But the DD214, I, and I have no idea what that even means. I assume it's a bomb or whatever. I don't know. But she puts that on Chainsaw to finish off. That is translates into a DDT from the second row. That's, that's all that is. She does it well. So Jane pins Chainsaw. Chainsaw, who was their resident monster, seemingly has been tamed quite a bit. I mean, if we go with the the post match of a uh, Chainsaw, and when I say post match, I mean the bef- before and after Beast is like the tale of Chainsaw's career in WoW. Before the Beast. If you won, you kind of skated by. 
or it took whatever. Like Tiki got a pin over Chainsaw, but it took both of the Tonga twins to do it. Candy Crush got a win over Chainsaw, but it took everything she had to, to win. Now, Chainsaw's been beaten by the Beast. Chainsaw's been uh, beaten by Holodet. And Chainsaw's been beaten by G.I. Jane. The DD2-14 DDT off the second rope is all she needed. One, two, three. Chainsaw's down. The aftermath of this, however, is the attack on G.I. Jane by Team IQ Superior. And they beat her up, and, you know, she gets whacked over the back with the yardstick so they can break it. And, you know, class masters hitting her with her book. Uh, the disciplinarian comes out and the waxer with the, the, her discipline paddle. Even though she did the old Triple H, I'm going to gut shot you and I'm put my hand over the top of the, the paddle in order to do it. Even though she has that paddle and she's finally used it, I don't know why or who told her that she should do the, the gut shot that way. I don't agree with that. It just seems kind of silly. Like, who would use a paddle that way? It's a paddle. Have somebody hold uh, Jane and just either take it across her back or whip her. One or the other. I didn't think that was that hard. I mean, I just thought about that right then. I was like, I why wouldn't you use this paddle? You come out with it all the time. I'm glad that she actually got the chance to use it. <clears throat> but it probably would have gotten a little bit more steam behind it if she had used it relentlessly against somebody who could not fight back. But, you know, what do I know? The next match, or the next match, was Jesse Jones and Santana Garrett, but I'm skipping over promo, so I apologize. The next segment. There's a promo about Santana Garrett on Jesse Jones. And she gave a promise basically that she couldn't keep. It's odd that Americana didn't say anything. She just kind of stood back there frowning up. But I guess she felt like, you know, me getting in front of the, the microphone and the cameras is not a good thing for me. Maybe that's what she thought. I don't know. Uh, the next segment following that is... Adriana Gambino running into the Princess Ozzy. And they have an exchange of words, which basically ends with Ozzy saying that, you know, she may have to get in the ring with uh, Santana Garrett. Not to teach her a lesson in so many words, but you, you get the, uh, the point. Um, I forgot my paste on my paper here. I got let me hang on a second. There we go. All right. Um. So Gambino and Princess Ozzy have this this backstage exchange, this confrontation. But Ozzy has accepted her challenge. Her being Gambino, and they the commentators have made it a point to bring up the fact that. There's a winning streak here. And the winning streak will be on the line when she goes up against uh, Princess Ozzy, which should be good. I will be looking forward to seeing that. The fact that Adriana Gambino has a winning streak, you know, I, I really 
am enjoying this. Beforehand, I had said something to the effect that a winning streak in WoW is basically like two wins. You have two wins. He's like, oh, they're on a winning streak, which technically is true, but you know, it, was, it never seemed to go beyond that. This is the first time probably since, I, I guess, the Beast or somebody like that, that I've seen them have a winning streak, and it is seemingly going somewhere. I can only hope that this undefeated streak that Adriana Gambino is on goes somewhere significant. And that the person that topples her finally gains something out of this. If you listen to this program at any point in time while she's on it, you know, I'm pretty high on Adriana Gambino. I think that she's, you know, a pretty good uh, performer, has a good look, looks like a star. Uh, same thing I would say with Princess Ozzy. I actually, despite the fact that I've given her a lot of, you know, flack and a hard time, essentially, I do not dislike Princess Ozzy. And actually, quite the opposite. I do like her. I don't like the things that they've had her do. And I can go all the way back to the abduction of Princess Ozzy with the, uh, for the sake of this podcast, we're going to call the team the dark side, Holiday and Siren. Where does she go? Um, but yeah, we can go all the way back to, to the abduction of Princess Ozzy. We can go back to the angle with the, the sticks that were given to her, which is basically the same thing that Candy Crush did with their gloves. I mean, it was just a retread of the, of the same thing. But if you want to skip that, then you come to uh, her winning a qualifying match that she never got the opportunity to, to exist in for, what was that, episode 25. That, I remember that because that is the single worst episode of WoW I've ever seen. But, uh, yeah, she, she qualified for a match that she never got the chance to participate in for reasons. And then they made up some wild card nonsense in that, too. And speaking of the wild card, then you move back up to when she wins the championship, which was essentially her taking a rematch that should have been Candy Crushes. I mean, now they didn't go into that, but that would have been the nominal storyline I would have gone with because it, it was her getting into the main event scene was basically as a result of Candy Crush failing to win the championship. And then she comes out to... Uh, help her, and then she kind of gets gets the heat from that point. But then, you know, she didn't get that. She had a moment she won, and she didn't get the confetti and all the stuff that, you know, became the gripe. And now she, you know, then she went into, I'm going to defend against everybody, and I got ideas to match, and I don't know what it is or how it's going to work, and which only served to make her look ridiculous. And then she gets rewarded for coming up with that match by having to go in number one, so, you know, it's it's not her, is how she's been used with me. Hopefully that will change. I doubt it because they still got to go through the whole Candy Crush thing. If they ever get back around to it, by the time they do, will I care? <clears throat> so it's a, it's a lot of that going on. But anyway, uh, the, to end talking about that segment, I look forward to seeing that match. Um between the two of them, they should put on a pretty good one. Uh, for my money, unless something else pops up of greater significance, it likely will not be the main event, but it should be the main event. We'll we'll say that she she did say next week, but you know time will tell because I can 
I never know with the uh, continuity holes that you know, WoW exists in. And I don't know why that just, you know, and this is just one little random thing, and I'll, I'll move on out of it. What is that little rack of shirts in the background on this segment for? Like, for, they've had this, I call it a boiler room, but, you know, it's probably just the top of some steps or the lead into a basement. I don't know. But uh, what is that little rack of clothes there for? Why, of all the places in that building with these same five or six shirts exist? And like, who's wearing this? And why are they leaving it here? I understand that whoever's doing set design for a while has to have, probably has marching orders to make sure that some wild merchandise or poster or logo exists in the shot no matter what. But those shirts there just, I, I, why? I don't. I just don't understand. It seems like just such an odd thing to do. You can't find anything else. It's for that reason alone that I keep saying they should just have a wild backdrop, which I know that they've had at one point. And have that for you know segments such as this with an interviewer available rather than the ra- random running into and we'll just make up our own match without any aid from David or whoever the matchmaker happens to be. Speaking of David McClain, I do want to roll back around to the first segment for a moment because I don't think that I mentioned it at the time. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that David McClain is <laughs> somewhat notorious for his talking through segments. And I've said that with the backstage segments particularly, he should not do that. And he has lightened up since then. You know, make of that what you will. But he seems to have lightened up since then. It's not as glaring as it was you know, in previous times. Uh, and it seems like scenes have gotten the opportunity to breathe. However... In the Ariel Sky Team Spirit Coach Campanelli uh, segment to open up the show, there are his moments of surprise and what are they going to do? And concern, like he he's going through the the phases of acting to try to add more gravitas to the situation. Seemingly, I I didn't enjoy that. I mean, this, the scene is. I don't want to be mean, but it's, it was kind of like hanging by a thread in terms of tone anyway. Because there's a serious situation that was going on there that could have been played up as serious rather than a means to uh, apply the self-serving promo of coach. But I guess they, you know, that that's what she is. That's what she does. And you know, when she gets up, like I looked in the mirror and I looked in my eyes and I said, "Put me in, coach." But the point being is that Dave McClain is sitting on the microphone, like, "Wow, that must be more serious than I thought." What are they gonna do? Like, like, like he has no idea. This would be more acceptable if. I did not know that he was the guy, the executive producer, that, and, and everything else. I mean, I, I run down the titles that he has pretty much every week because I always say he doesn't need to be doing all of that. And it's not consistent, like now. Sometimes he's the boss. Sometimes he's the matchmaker. Sometimes he's clueless. Sometimes he just allows other people to do it. Sometimes he makes the rules. Sometimes he doesn't. You know, it's, it's just up and down with him. And I find it very difficult to believe that 
Ariel Sky walked into that building with a neck brace on and he was underwear. And even if, even if she just, let's just say the show started in the WOW universe, he's already sitting down, he didn't get the opportunity to see her. I am not buying the idea that he has no clue as to what Team Spirit was going to do. <laughs> With them having four members, I think any idiot that's in the crowd watching TV, looking around the world, could see, all right, well, they're just going to swap somebody out. It wasn't that difficult a problem to fix. The story there was Ariel Sky. She probably should have spoken rather than just the entirety of it be coach. Coach talking was fine, but coach talking turned it into a coach promo rather than an Ariel Sky update. And the other side of that, and then I'll move on, <clears throat> that talking through the interview isn't always a bad thing, but it was a bad thing coming out of David McClain. It would have been an easier thing to digest and accept had it been Nigel Zane. Nigel Zane even if he's backstage pulling strings, let's just say, which he might be, probably is. I'm sure he working there, he has some pull. But he's not identified as that. He's not identified as the executive producer. He's not identified as the guy that is buddied up with Genie Bus. He's not identified as the creator of the show and the person that makes the matches and the lead interviewer and this and that and the other. He's not viewed that way, so him being surprised, wow, Aero Sky's really hurt, David. You know, him doing that wouldn't come off as obnoxious isn't the right word. It wouldn't come off like he uh, is just saying it or acting it, unless he just performed it badly. But and, and by all accounts, he's been great on the microphone, so I, I can't imagine that he would just suddenly turn around and and not sound good, you know, when he's delivering his lines. Uh, not that there are lines written down, but you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, I, I think that, that the segment would have been fine. I know I'm out of sequence even going back to talk about that, but I just forgot to bring it up. The segment would have been fine. I just think it should have been adjusted a little bit. So back to uh, where we were. The next thing, following Gambino running into Princess Ozzy, the – the wild boiler room was, in my opinion, the match of the show. Uh, Jesse Jones with her partner, Amber O'Neill, taking on Santana Garrett and uh, Americana with a sling coming out the ringside with her. This, the only drawback that I had with this match actually isn't the match itself at all has nothing to do with what happened bell to bell in the match. My issue is where this match sat in the feud of Grits and Glam versus the All-American Girls. Like, this felt like it should have been the first or second match, something like that. The reason it feels that way is because they, this was everything that should have been happening to Americana. She's in the ring. Santana is in the ring with Jesse Jones. They're having a good match. They're, they're, you know, entertaining me. But also, Jesse is having a hard time at points. Santana Garrett is getting the best of her. But she's also having to deal with Amber O'Neill. She's having to deal with being grabbed at, being distracted, have tights being pulled. You know, just the, the little heel things that 
Jones and O'Neal were doing to accommodate the win. Her being in this situation, her being Santana Garrett, and her losing was not disappointing. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's some people out there who love Santana Garrett and would have liked to have seen her win. You know, it, I, that's understandable. But the thing here is that she has a gripe. This is what I was saying about Americana when she lost. She had no gripe. For all intents and purposes, Jesse Jones and Ebro Neal have beaten Americana and Santana Garrett by proxy in the tag match. Clean as a whistle. It might have been a cheap win. And remember, there's a difference between cheap and cheating. Jesse Jones tapped her out one-on-one, her Americana. And in this uh, reality, she damaged her arm. And they also beat her clean with super kick in a tag match. So that's something like she had no gripe to lean on where Jesse cheated. Not only does that work against um, the angle as a whole, but it works against Americana singularly. This feud thus far has only proven Jesse Jones to be correct. I do what I have to do to win. I do better without you, and I'll continue to win without I mean, and. She, of course, that's not a promo that she cut, but that's basically what we've gotten. Jesse Jones has gone right back into winning all over again because she went back to what she was doing. And more so than that, she has a partner that's going to watch. I don't want to make it sound noble by saying watch her back because they're not baby faces here. But in the, but Amber O'Neill is willing to do what she has to do to aid her partner. We'll, we'll put it that way. And in, in her world, aiding her partner means cheating for a partner. Now, that didn't necessarily mean that uh, Americana needed to do the same thing, but Americana never tried. So when you, if I were to take each match that they were in and just line it up in, a, in order from the start of this angle to present, Americana would not look good there. She would look like she just didn't help, didn't know what she was doing, or she just, you know, rather watch her friends go down in flames rather than participate and help out. This match here, however, is probably the closest that I've seen, and it's particularly in recent days that um, she's given some aid to her her tag team partner. Uh, side note, uh, Americana probably is, she still has to work on the facials. Like everybody else in this match is like really expressive in one way or another. Santana Garrett is beaming with a smile, almost glowing, winking to the camera and whatnot. Uh, Jesse Jones comes out with a smug look and she's, you know, like it has an air of confidence that's bleeding off her. And Amber O'Neill is just, she... <laughs> Uh, sinister is, but she, but she does walk above 
other people. Like, even when she's addressing the referee, she's like, okay, like, I got no time for you. Everybody else there is giving something. There's emotion. There's body language. There's, there's facial expressions. There's all of that stuff. Americana isn't quite there yet. Not quite. She did get, you know, better. Uh, there's, there was a point in the match <clears throat> where Americana had to um, yell at the referee, basically. So she did get to, you know, show a little bit of fire. But it still still takes some work. That, that's, that's probably the the best way to go about that. It still takes some work. But I was happy to see that she did something. That she got up on the apron and she was yelling at the you know referee, look over there, look. That was the if you take that little five seconds that she was up on the, the apron yelling at the referee, that was probably the most expressive that I've seen her, period. She needs more of that. She needs to be more expressive. I know that she's probably not an actress by trade and maybe not, you know, a wrestler day to day and whatnot. But that, those are the things that she's got to start working on. She's got to got to get expressive. People need to know what she's feeling and and understand how she feels through what she is portraying facially, how how she's feeling body wise, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, how this match was probably, ooh, I would say maybe five minutes long, but it's a nice five minutes. I understand that while because of time constraints doesn't get a chance to have like a back and forth epic match, you know, that some other wrestling promotions may allot their wrestlers, even the all female ones like UWW and Shine, you know, they don't have TV time constraints to deal with. So it's not an apples to apples comparison. However, in cases like this, and, you know, I've pointed it out maybe once or twice, specifically the Princess Ozzy and. Abilene Maverick. Those are the cases where, like, you know, the match would gain something if it had a little bit more time. Sometimes they, they this is just kind of cut short. I'm not cut short. It's <clears throat> it doesn't have a chance for them to be able to tell the story as in depth. That's the good way to put it. It's, it's not as told as in depth as it might have been if they had more time behind them to do it. So in any case, this match pretty much ends with distraction. As I stated before, it gives Santana Garrett a, a, a great excuse on why she lost. There's a point in the match where she did something that I pointed out with somebody else a few weeks ago. I think it was Goldie Collins when she was trying to counter suplex, and it was it looked like a lazy counter. Santana Garrett did the did the counter. And she's trying to Jesse Jones is trying to get up for the suplex, and Santana Garrett puts her leg in between it and hooks the leg of her opponent to prevent herself from going up. Which is what you expect. It's like, okay, so she's she's putting her all into Yeah, we know it's a work, but She's making it look legitimate, as legitimate as she can, at least. In the again, in this funny, wild wrestling universe that we all live in. But as that happens, with that's going towards the end of the match, 
Amber O'Neill, the good partner that she is, gets up on the apron and she starts distracting the referee. Meanwhile, Santana Garrett had Jesse Jones down in a small package. So she, she had the excuse right there. And I, I love that they gave her an excuse. She had something to be able to go back like, I should have won or I could have won. Give me another shot. There's a reason for Santana Garrett to want another shot because she was cheated out of it. And Santana Garrett, of course, she approaches uh, Amber O'Neill or, you know, tells the referee, like, hey, what, what the deal? <laughs> I had her pinned. Uh, there was a little bit of a missed time there. <laughs> she, she had her back turned towards Jesse Jones. Amber O'Neill's up on the apron. Santana Garrett is yelling at the referee, and then she's like, ah, you know, she moves out of the way, but she goes too soon. <laughs> I can only assume here that what should have happened and only they will know only they will be able to uh you know verify this but what i assume what was supposed to happen is that if the timing was right santana garrett would have gotten out of the way jesse jones would have ran and clobbered amber o'neill off of the apron and then they would have moved on from there but as it was here santana garrett got out of the way too soon jesse jones charged in and rightfully so, stopped. And then pivoted and went towards Santana Garrett. She did not allow that faux pas to make her look bad. But that's veteran thought. I'm almost positive that that was just an adjustment that they had right then, right there. And she made it work. I would be very surprised if it was anything less than that. So you got that little moments, and, and we got a, a kip up. I think the size of the ring, you know, having Jesse Jones a little bit too close might have interfered with the kip up that Santana Garrett tried to do. Needless to say, she got up on her feet. She gives a big forearm to Jesse Jones. She, she flops back. And now we got this Santana Garrett, you know, special. Where she does the handstand into the rear elbow. And this is where we get to our finish. Suplex by Santana Garrett. Goes for the pin, and Jesse Jones is able to get out of it. This all comes down to a submission hole. I forget what uh, Austin Aries used to call that. But it was basically a move that he did. Ah, gosh. The, the name of what he had, it's, it escapes me right now. But it's basically like a... A float over reverse bridge, hooking Jones by her chin and, and cranking back as hard as uh, Santana Garrett can do it. Uh, Garrett has her in that. Of course, there's a, a another uh, distraction. She's waving it off. She gets raked in the eyes. Amber O'Neill is on the outside. I believe that's the point where she starts walking around uh, towards Americana. I don't know why I lost Americana's name there for a second. Uh, <clears throat> but Santana, even though her eyes are raked, she still gets back up. She takes in control. She tries to go for the uh, the head scissors off the top. And she is able to, to um, get shoved, but still counter through a roll, super kick Jesse Jones, put her down. That would have been the point that she would have gotten the the win, right? Big old super kick. 
and they haven't prostituted the super kick in a while, so it probably would have worked as a finish, even though her finish is like the handstand moonsault thing. But Amber O'Neill is over there beating up on uh, the Santana Garrett's partner, which draws the attention of Garrett. Goes over there like, hey, what are you doing? You know, tries to get Amber O'Neill off of her. Jesse Jones comes behind her. She gets a big roll-up, and she does a fantastic roll-up. I mean, she's got <laughs> Garrett's feet touching the, the mat, like her toes. and she, She's folded completely in half. And at the same time, and unfortunately, the camera didn't really catch it. She's pulling the tights. I mean, it was it was great. This was everything the match needed to be. This was everything that match needed to be. It wasn't too long. I mean, assuming that this would have gone on to or is going to go to a big match, which I doubt that that's going to happen because they don't really have a big match or a big show or anything like that to showcase it on. But under normal wrestling logic, this was a TV match between two people that interviewed, and this was the win that Jesse Jones needed. It wasn't a clean win like she had over Americana twice. This was a tainted win, but the heel gets to leave, and she gets to parade herself around, and I won. I did it all by myself, even though she didn't. And Santana Garrett has a legitimate gripe as to why she lost and why she deserves another match. As I said at the beginning of this, there's pretty much nothing within the course of the match that I disagree with. There's pretty much nothing within this that I had a problem with. It is all where the match was positioned within the series of matches they've had so far. This really either should have been match number one or match number two. Because where are they going to go with this now? At, at what point do we have the, the baby faces go over? Jesse Jones has one and one and one. This is like three and oh as far as this, this series is concerned. Maybe though know, they're not calling it the series. But as far as this angle is concerned, this is three and oh. Jesse Jones has been vindicated as far as my way works. She has been vindicated as far as I'm a better wrestler than Americana ever was. She beat her clean. And she's been vindicated in that the things that I do to get the win, sir, the end justifies the means because she just got over on Santana Garrett. Now, that's just my look on it. On the babyface side, I don't know what else you have. They've pretty much been beaten relentlessly. <laughs> so, so I don't know what the what the excuse would be other than if, say, Americana comes out and I know you won, but give me one more match and here's why. You know, whatever it is that she would put on the line, you know, her career, which you know, that that's a, a tired trope, but, you know, it could work there maybe. Like, I'll leave WoW forever. If I leave WoW, then it pretty much means I'm leaving wrestling. Because if you don't want me here, then you you know beat me and put me out. You've already done it twice. You know what's the third time? Give me that chance. So you know, I mean, they could they could take that route. They could take the route of Americana begging, depleting, doing whatever it takes to try to get that last elusive rematch, so she can get that win that has been denied her against her former friend and partner. 
I mean, that may be the way to go. I don't know. Just my suggestion. The next segment are the mother truckers, and they are waiting for David in the bathroom. This is wow humor. Now, I'm going to say something that's probably surprising. I didn't mind this all that much. I've had a lot of problems with the mother truckers, but for whatever reason, this didn't bother me that that badly. Like, it seemed to fit who these two are within the course of this show. Now, I, I don't know what the... Uh, what kind of reality they live in to where they would just be able to walk into the men's bathroom with a camera crew as David McClane is clearly taking a dump. <laughs> but but they're standing there and they're waiting. And so if, you, if we get past the, the silliness of that, I, I I didn't find this all that egregious. I didn't find it bad. I mean, it, it's silly and it's campy and it's it's ridiculous. It's all of these things and it's over the top. And and truthfully, they shouldn't even be having to campaign for a match. They got hurt. They got beaten. They got attacked. You know, by uh, was it Vicky Lynn and and uh, Penelope Pink. They shouldn't have to campaign for a match. They have every reason to have the match. However, I guess they wanted to get to it this some kind of way. So you got the mother truckers in the bathroom, and they're they're helping Dave McClain get his tuxedo jacket on and this, that, and the other. And the, long story short, he gives them the match. He, he just agrees so they can, they can go away. So th- this is one of those segments where – you're annoying me into giving you what you want. And that's what happened. They annoyed him into giving him what he wanted. Of course, he is portraying this like he had no idea that this was going to happen. He had no idea that this was going to be aired on the show, even though that obviously there was a camera there. He's like, I can't believe the producers did that. So, But, you know, in this one instance, and I cannot even begin to explain to you why. I, I can't. But in this instance, I'm like, yeah, this fine. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fine with this. It, it was a lot less. Uh, it was a lot less annoying than them doing the rap. And even then, I was like, yeah, it, it, it fit. It just wasn't. Didn't work for me. It wasn't the right place. It wasn't the right time. I was like, what? It wasn't presented well. Here I'm 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 okay with it. The next segment as we move into the main event, we have Lana Starr cutting a promo. They have this listed as the No Denying Greatness promo on their YouTube channel, by the way. And that's pretty much what it comes down to. Is it's it's the Standard Lana Star promo with a few other things tossed in there. Lana Star's promos are, are generally speaking, we're better than everybody else. We're gonna get the championships back. They, you know, they belong to us. The Fabulous Four is great. I'm great. We're, you know, we're we're the top of the top of the mountain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They never really seem to address anybody, you know, for the most part. 
And they don't really seem to address any teams for the most part. They address the belts, whether that be singular or tag team. They address the belts. But they don't, you know, it doesn't come down to Tonga Twins. We're going to get those belts. You know, it doesn't come down to that. The person it does come down to is Dave McClain. And I don't know why they keep continuing to do this. Like every time they get a mic, is we have to address David. David, you, we're, you're going to... We're going to win, and we're going to get a championship. I don't know why they keep doing it, because the more and more they do this, the less sense it makes to me. It's like, why are they constantly addressing David McClain about this? I, where is that going? Address the opponent. Why is it always him? And then he gets up while this is going on, and he has a, I guess, a comeback of sorts, but it's a comeback that didn't make any sense and serves no purpose. Like She's like, I, I told you we were going to get the shot and we we're going to get back in here and we're going to be the champions and there's three-time champions and this, that, and the other. And then he gets up and like, ah, but you didn't get the first shot. That went to last call and they had their last call. And like it, That had nothing to do with anything. Like What difference does it make that they didn't get the first shot? They got the shot. <laughs> they got what they wanted. They were, I mean, let's, let's look at the entirety of that scenario. They were in a four corners match that, according to David and Wow, they cheated to win. He, as the matchmaker, denied them the number one contendership. Okay. They go to a feud or a fight with the mother truckers, they lose against the mother truckers, and the following week, they're, they're going for the tag team championships after a loss. So who's coming up short here? They don't even explain how they got it. I mean, because it's my understanding that their win in the four corners match or the four-way was uh, null and void. So how did they get here? How did they get a championship match again against the Tonga Twins. Haven't they had enough? And why are we going back to the well for this? I said earlier, the fact that there's almost no one there that could fill this slot speaks badly of the 12 or 13 tag teams that they have. This is why... I had a problem with this match, and it, it didn't have anything to do necessarily with the match. There are por portions of it that I didn't care for, but it didn't have a lot to do with the match. It had everything to do with how they told this, this story and that no one else is there and that this is it's basically been a monopolized spot. Like, no other team is even come close outside of the mother truckers that is I think they, they probably have the best win loss record of anybody that's on the wow so I, I just I didn't get where they were going storyline wise with this how this occurred why they were back into a tag team championship match I mean no one else no other team, 
could have done this, not one? And the answer to that is, is probably just a resounding no. Like I said earlier, what team there has been presented strongly enough to, to go after the titles? The only ones that might are involved in a feud right now. So I don't know where, that's, where this was going, where they were trying to go with it. <clears throat> Neither one of these teams excite me about having the tag team championships anymore. Being a three-time wild tag team champion at this point, I'm sure for Miami Sweet Heat, Laura, La, Lindsay and Laura. Yeah, say it right. Lindsay and Laura, I'm sure for them, this was a big deal. I'm sure for them, this was uh, validation. I'm sure for them, this was, you know, everything nice and everything that it should be. But I, I don't really see the value in these tag team championships right now. They're just tag team championships. And in a field of wrestling promotions that have divisions that also carry women's tag team championships, this feels like it's going to the bottom of that list. Now, being on the bottom of the list of champions isn't necessarily a bad thing. You're still a champion. But comparatively speaking, it just didn't feel important. It just... It just feels like, all right, well, let's have this match. And here you go. Here's the belts. One of the good things that did happen is he had Penelope Pink and Vicky Lynn McCoy get on the on the uh, the commentary booth. Now, that's happening a little bit too much. I, I do like hearing Vicky Lynn do commentary. That is the only saving grace in this. But it is not some sort of requirement that every time that the Fabulous Four go to the ring, somebody from the group has to go sit down at the commentating table. What I mean, this... I get it every once in a while, but now it's just like this is standard. Miami Sweet he's here. All right, well, one of us got to go sit at the, at the booth. It's either Lana Starr or Penelope Pink or Vicky Lynn or a combination of the three. That's, it's like this is just required things to do, and it shouldn't be. Vicky Lynn is great on commentary. I'll stand by that. I, she should probably be a heel announcer for him. She is fantastic on commentary. I I don't get tired of listening to her on commentary. I don't think that they should go there every time that they're out in you know ringside. But when she's there and she's talking on the mic, she's a treat. She's a great heel, which only makes me feel worse that when they had a chance to do the sit-down interview with her and it, and have her explain why she attacked the beast, that they did nothing with that. They gave her like 20 to 30 seconds to say something. She got up and stormed off. Well, getting past the fact that Sweet Heat have another title shot. And now they're going against the Tonga Twins for who knows how many times. I, with all due respect to Miami Sweet Heat and the Tonga Twins, this rivalry is not the Usos and the New Day. 
This rivalry is not uh, the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs. It's not the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. It's, it's not <clears throat> the Road Warriors and the, the Horsemen. It, it's, it, I mean, take your pick. It's it's not beer money taking a, or excuse me, not beer money. It's not the Dirty Heels going against the Wolves. It's not uh, the, the the beer money and the Motor City Machine Guns. It's not any of those things. Can they get there? Maybe, but I don't know if this is the time for that. They, it's like they never let it go. They've had these little gaps of time where they don't come across each other, but they keep coming back. Is this the best tag team combination of match that they that they have? I mean, I, I don't know. So anyway, the match for the big silver belts kicks off. First mistake that they had took place probably within the first 10 seconds of the match. And this is going to... You're going to have to take a pick as to who the problem existed with. The problem that I'm talking about is you had one of the Carlsons attack one of the Tongans immediately, which is which is fine and looked great. It looked great for the Tongans. She got her arms up. She got her forearms in, which allowed uh, Laura to come raining down forearm shots and not have to hit her in the face and look bad. So I didn't have any problem with that. The problem became when it reversed or when the forearms got out of the way and the camera's right there in front of them and there's no connecting at all. And it and it absolutely looks like she's just whiffing the shots. Like it, the, That's the unfortunate part about having great cameras with high resolution and getting close-ups and things like that. Yeah, it looks good on... on video overall but when you're doing shots to the head and they're trying to punch is it really illustrates when you're not connecting and when i guess this is laura carlson i you know i, I told you I, I keep getting them backwards uh but when she's on the mat and she's taking the the punches in the face so we'll just say chaos those punches are very evident that they are not connecting. Wow! Now, why would I say that? Because people that don't watch wrestling at all is like, "Oh, those punches don't look good." I I can't stand that they had the, these punches or they make it look so fake. Well, okay, they're not supposed to be beating each other up for real. And I mean, we we try to say that it's like, look, that that's not what this is about. And there's only really two ways that they can solve it. Either they can lay those shots in or the camera needs to be, you know, put someplace else. Or at the very least, edit it to where the shot is, you know, reversed. Which they did, it just seemed like they got there a little bit too late. So, we're here and it's the main event. It's the Tonga Twins versus the Carlson Twins, Miami Sweet Heat. All over again. What is this, the sixth or seventh time, something like that. We will just move to the end of the match because none of this makes any difference. I wasn't really happy with seeing the match to begin with. It wasn't a bad match. I'm just not wanting to see this match. There's nothing here. There was nothing leading to this. There was no no personal rivalry. There was there was no issue between them. 
It was just we randomly got the shot again, and so we're going after the titles. And then they did it. So at the end of the match, we had a championship belt that comes into play. One of which is shown or shoved into the ring very blatantly. It's the old bait and switch finish. So we got the belt in. The referee is right in front of the referee. He sees it like, hey, you can't use that. And then he starts grabbing. We got a tug of war. And then that he gets the belt taken away <clears throat> just in time as the other uh, Carlson twin grabs the other tag team belt. One of the Tongas is on the floor. The other one's in the ring. And she's surrounded, but she doesn't know it. Her back is turned. And she's you know, she thinking this is one-on-one in the ring, right? So the part that <laughs> this is a, a minor nitpick. Like, I don't understand why she decided to go backwards into the ropes. <laughs> I know that she did it because that's the spot. But I'm just saying in the, in the kayfabe universe, why she's like, all right, we're squared off with each other, so let me run backwards toward the ropes and get some momentum and then attack you. So she does that, not looking to see that there's somebody else there. She gets walloped in the back of the head. And then twin number two, Lindsay, I believe, looks like she was attempting to do some uh, leg scissors, but that didn't work out, and she adjusted and turned it into a DDT. Like she, she hopped up there. She couldn't quite make it. And then it looks like that was an adjustment, which was good. Does the DDT, grabs the tights, and gets the win. So at least she continued the the cheating phase to make sure that the Carlsons won through illegal means. And so for the first time in Wild's history since 2000, well, since 2000, I think that was when Wild was created. They have someone who have won the tag team championships for a third time. Now, the disclaimer on that is that while of its 20-plus year existence, you have to subtract 13 or 14 years out of that. Probably 14 and a half with the additional hiatuses that took place. Now, that doesn't necessarily take away the, the you know, kayfabe universe accomplishment of having three-time champions, but it does bring it back into, you know, perspective. No other team in WoW had the opportunity to win championships three different times, single or otherwise. They had, nobody's had the opportunity to do that. This is the first time that WoW has existed this long, uh, uninterrupted, since 2000. Make it that what you will. That's not a shot at WoW. That's just a fact. So they get their three-time tag team champions or tag team championships. I, again, was not really looking forward to seeing this match. I would have liked to have seen a different set of champions go and and win win the championship and at least start a new phase of this tag team division that they have. It just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. We have to wait and see where this goes with them. 
this this didn't seem like the crowd really cared. So, I mean, you know, some of them applauded as it seemed like a reactionary thing. That's probably the best way to put it. Like, we're at a TV taping, and yay, something happened. So you, you got a couple people that was applauding this. But it seemed very lackluster to me. I mean, it, 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 they didn't even really boo. They just were just kind of there. Even throughout the match, it didn't seem like they really cared all that much. When you had the Tongas out on the on the apron and she's trying to get the crowd hype and she's beating on the, the, the turnbuckle and stuff like that, it just didn't seem like all that much was, was moving the crowd to be engaged in what was going on here. Uh, congratulations, I guess, are in order to, to the Miami Sweet Heat, the, the winning the Tag Team Championships. I can only hope that this is some level of transitional championship reign. Not that they don't deserve the titles, not that they couldn't do well with them, but, they, you know, come on. It's time for another pair to assume that slot. I would have felt differently had they had some sort of personal issue going into this or if they uh, had a clear, defined path to them re-winning the tag team championships. If it was something like that, I, I would accept it a little easier. Opposed to now, it just it just feels like it was just something just to do, just because we can and just because no one else is over. I don't really think that Miami Sweet Heat or the Tonka Twins are over for that matter, but as far as the win-loss record is concerned in WOW, I think they're as high as they can go. But that was it. That was the uh, the show in a nutshell. That was wow, top to bottom. Uh, the main event match also feels like it has gone a, a good ways in supporting the idea that some of this was shown out of sequence. If you recall in the main event last week, you had Nigel Zane saying something to the effect of, and hopefully the Tonga Twins will get a rematch. Now, he was talking about a rematch for a title loss that hadn't aired yet. Goes back to what I'm saying with that quality control. Now, I, I was a little bit more forgiven about that because it was a throwaway line in the middle of a main event. But it still, it applies. They, he said something that hadn't taken place that now has taken place. They've lost the titles to something that he referenced a week ago. It would it would be fine if I if, if this had some sort of uh, purpose slash meaning in in his route. It didn't. <clears throat> this also, like I said, this goes into backing up the idea that this is out of sequence. I get more and more of that every time I watch the show. And that's uh, the the top to bottom recap there. I mean, it, Garrett did, did well in the match. I still think that Garrett Jones was was the best match of the show in terms of again, being built towards it. Didn't like the route that it took, but the match was still good. <clears throat> Didn't care for the main event, not because of the teams, but because it just too many times. 
Too many times and not enough call for this to be repeated. Um, the bathroom segment was surprisingly silly but entertaining. Uh, didn't care that uh, last call got the first shot. I don't know why David was even mentioning that. Still think that the heels, because all the heels seem to do it, should not be calling out David McClain for every little thing. When they get a microphone in their hand and they're looking at the hard camera, you know, he doesn't have to be involved in all of it. And again, the tag team division is suffering, in my opinion. If this was the best option that they had after a year, then they haven't done a good job of building up another team. It should have been part of the mandate going into season two. At least two other teams need to be built. And that didn't happen. And I I was hoping Los Banditas would have been built up at some point in time. Has not. In fact, they've just gone in the opposite direction. They've been kind of reduced to the heel job team to the stars. For whatever stars that may happen to be there. And that's pretty much it. That is all I have for a while. And we will wait. We'll wait to see what is upcoming with their next program. And as I'm recording this, of course, I got the press release for the next episode, which will air within about 24 hours of me doing this right now. I'm going to read the preview. This is going to give a little bit of maybe some spoilers for some people. So if you don't want to hear it, then, you know, you can skip ahead to chapter. But if you are tuning in after, if this goes on, I mean, because sometimes they write up some stuff and it doesn't take place. But if this goes on on the show, then all I can say is I told you. <laughs> I told you this was going to happen. But I'm going to give you a second. If you want to skip ahead, here's the time to do it. Still here. All right. So here's the preview. Season 2, episode 24, Be Careful What You Sow. The Fab Four are incensed to find out that because of their constant attacks on the mother truckers, David McClain has granted Big Rig Betty and Holly Swag a main event tag team match against Penelope Pink and Vicky Lynn McCoy. Princess Ozzy tries to take down Adriana Gambino and her undefeated streak. Kindred Spirits, Fury, and Rebel Hayes take on the Disciplinarian and the Classmaster. And the mystery of Tiki Chamorro is finally solved as she faces Gloria Glitter and singles action. Now, as I just said, I told you. It's a matter of time before Fury and Rebel A's turn into Heavy Metal Sisters 2.0. They probably won't call themselves that, but we all know where this is headed. I certainly expect them to win because it's the disciplinary and the classmaster who lose constantly. Which only goes back to why on earth was Samantha Smart think it was a good idea to get rid of the one person that won? <laughs> 
in her group. Doesn't sound very smart to me. And the only other thing here, I mean, because the other two matches, the Aussie Gambino match, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to that. What mystery with Tiki tomorrow? <laughs> when I read this, I was like, what are we talking about? What was the mystery? What happened? And so I can only assume one or two things is going to take place on this show. Either they're going to have Tiki tomorrow pop up and they're going to address a mystery that we never saw on TV. Or they're just going to remove this altogether. And then have to fill up the, the third slot of the show with something. But I don't know what 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 mystery happened. Am I overlooking something? Did I did I forget about something? What what happened? Like they alluded to something a while back when they had the Tonga Twins take on Last Call. They kind of I mean, and it wasn't even like clear. It, it sounded like a vague hint that something took place with Tika Tomorrow, but they never said what or who or what took place. So there was no mystery for me to think about. I mean, if you say something that's really bland and 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 vague why did i read to that here it is they're making it sound like this is something that was ongoing and and we'll finally find out what it was like here's the payoff guys for this mystery what mystery i'll be tuning in just like you (laughs) i'll just put it out i will be tuning in just like you to see what the hell are they talking about so anyway, on that note, that is the review. That is everything. I appreciate you tuning in and listening to me go on about WoW and its roster. Hopefully the next match, the next show, not match, next show will be better. And it started off good for the season. It has just kind of worn me down. It's these continuity errors. It's constant continuity errors, the loopholes in their logic always makes the show harder for me to watch and I cannot wait to see what the ratings are I hope I get them soon that being said if you uh, want to support the show or continue to support the show be sure to tune in subscribe hit the bell so you get all the notifications if you're on YouTube Uh, click the links that we have provided here on YouTube and on greater podcast platforms we feed out everywhere remember greater podcast platforms such as itunes Podbeans. i guess google podcast is going away but uh <laughs> whatever other locations that you tend to get it all you gotta do is put wpn in there and you'll find it if that is too difficult you can go to wpnwrestling.com and you can watch a 24-hour stream of all our stuff dating back to 2013 there's many 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 matches and, and interviews that have taken place in there some of which are people that you will recognize who are now on a national platform the stars before they were stars presented by the women's pro wrestling network also you can pick up sh- shirts mugs leggings other uh, merchandise materials if you're trying to or, or so kind to support the show and for the people that have done this on our website called in over the uh, the ads that shows support too 
And I certainly appreciate it because I've, I saw the analytics for that recently. There's been some other calls that some of you have made. I don't know who because it doesn't identify that for me. But if you have done that, if you've taken the time to look at any of those ads and call on behalf of the Women's Pro Wrestling Network, let me publicly say thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Every little bit that uh, people have done, whether that be liking it, uh, purchasing the merchandise, making an inquiry call to uh, the commercials that run on there, all of that helps. And, and certainly thank you very, very much, whoever you are. That said, I'm going to close this up. Visit WPNRusting.com. It is the nexus and centerpiece for everything that is fed out, whether that be videos or a podcast or anything else that we do is going to go there. And on that note, here's the close. This is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.